This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio here on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Great show coming up for you today with Nathan Stewart from Edge of the Outback. You might have checked him out on YouTube. So we're going to have a little chin wag with Nathan about all things hunting, shooting and making YouTube videos, which is uh, what his forte is. So if you haven't checked him out on YouTube, you can go to Edge of the Outback on YouTube and uh, make some fantastic content. Um, yeah hunting shooting uh he does a lot of stuff especially with uh night vision and uh shooting at night shooting from a quad uh so if you love that sort of stuff which all of us do jump on his youtube channel and uh you know subscribe to his channel because again it's always great to support not only uh content creators like myself but also content creators like nathan that spend their hard-earned time their hard-earned money uh sharing their awesome hunts on youtube or whatever social media platform they share on so uh, everyone thank you for joining me on the show because it's really good because we are finally in 2021 and we've left 2020 behind <laughs> but unfortunately uh at the time of recording this podcast which is early january this will come out around the end of January. Uh, we've had a bit of a, a semi-lockdown here in New South Wales, especially for me in Sydney. Uh, I didn't get to go to Queensland for Christmas, unfortunately. Borders shut, so it's been a not a great start to the year, but uh, let's hopefully uh, this year all of our hopes and dreams come true with all of our hunting. And same goes for you as well. I really hope uh, you have a fantastic year's hunting, uh, shooting, you know, you smash that deer or pigs or goats or whatever you've got on that bucket list to do, whether it's here in Australia or overseas. If you want to sponsor us on Patreon, Patreon, you know, come on board. Uh, you want to get all the podcasts in advance for everyone else. I'd appreciate that. Patreon.com forward slash AHP. Nathan, as far as I'm aware as well, also has a Patreon account as well. So if you do like the content, feel free to jump on his Patreon as well. Uh, give him some support again because, you know, as we know, when we go on holidays or we can't hunt or we're stuck at home, we just love watching hunting videos on YouTube. I know because I do it myself or listening to hunting and shooting podcasts. Uh, so yeah, definitely check him out on Patreon. Of course, you can go to the website australianhuntingpodcast.com.au and if you want to email me for any reason australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com, we'd really really appreciate that. Of course, you can find us on iTunes, the Podbean app, we're on Stitcher, we're on Apple Podcasts, pretty much every good, decent podcast platform uh, we are on. Thank you to everyone also, too, that listened to the Public Land Hunting Podcast. That was actually actually one of the most successful podcasts I've ever had, actually. And uh, r- people really, really liked that. It actually did a 4X, which means uh, about 4X the number of downloads that I normally get in a given month for any podcast. So seems you guys really enjoyed that. Maybe we might follow up for more an advanced Public Land Hunting one. That was only an entry-level one. Uh, getting all different aspects and perspectives from uh, different people within the industry. But it seems you guys liked it. So thank you very much for supporting that podcast and downloading it and listening to it. It certainly did extremely well. So thank you very much for that. So without further ado, I think we should get into the, the interview with Nathan. Again, if you want to check him out on YouTube, uh, you can go to Edge of the Outback on YouTube and Edge of the Outback on other social medias, including Facebook and Instagram. So we'll get Nathan on the show. Nathan Stewart, welcome to HP. Thanks for joining me. Great to have you with us, man. Talk about a bit of hunting, a bit of YouTubing and uh, anything in between. So great to have you here. Thanks. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. Tell us about yourself. I want to find out who is Nathan Stewart. So, 
simple version would be I've got a beautiful wife, got a little boy that's five, daughter that's eight, um, nearly 40. We haven't crossed that bridge yet. <laughs> uh, I've been a hunter since I was about 14 or 15. Uh, and around 18 months ago, I decided just to start to share some of the hunting on YouTube, just something different. Um, was a transition, I guess, as I moved into night vision and thermal shooting. Uh, it's been good fun. I've met some really great people in that journey, we'll call it. And, uh, yeah, that's probably the compressed version of me anyway. <laughs> well, how are you, 39, mate? Same as me. When are you When are you 40? March, end of March. Oh, shit. You've outdone me by about 12 days. I'm April the 12th, <laughs> so you'll be hitting the big four zero before me. <laughs> That's all right. You're in the middle of the rut, mate, so you've got an excuse to go hunting each year. <laughs> exactly. Mate, how did you get into hunting? You said you got, you know, sort of a, you know, middle, you know, young teen, middle-aged teen. How did you get into hunting? Was it mum, dad? Was it friends? How did you get into it? I don't know. I've always been drawn to it, I guess. Um, my direct family weren't active hunters or, or farmers or anything like that. I had grandparents that used to tell tales of rabbit trapping and stuff like that. I was always very interested in hearing about those stories. Uh, Dad did have guns prior to the firearms laws. When was that, 96? Yeah, 96, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, he got rid of them after that. Um, I guess I started originally hunting with a bow uh, as about a 14-year-old. Condition of that was that I had to join the local archery club. That was one of mum's conditions. So that's what I did. I used to go out and hunt rabbits behind the local garbage dump, and uh, and I <laughs> yeah. shot a lot of I shot a lot of ABA archery for about six or seven years. So that was uh, that was a, a a good learning curve as a young fella. Um, learned a lot about hunting with a bow. Obviously, it's a bit different to shooting rifles. So yeah, it was a good lead in. I still like the stalking i don't shoot bows anymore but often at the frustration of some of my mates i like to get in nice and close on the animals sometimes and they don't they don't see the need if you're carrying a centerfire rifle but i still like the challenge so i still do it yeah it's interesting um, isn't it when you i've been hearing that a lot recently people uh starting off on a bow and it's actually more common actually the more interviews that i do actually the more common that I, it is that i'm hearing about people that uh start on the bow and then eventually progress to firearms or maybe their maybe their dad was a bow hunter or, or got into bows maybe some bit of target shooting with the bow yeah it's so interesting so i'm hearing this more and more as time goes on with a lot more people starting on bows yeah, it's great fun. I guess access probably changed a little bit of that. I used to have a good mate uh, on a farm at Narrabri and he had a lot of goats and stuff up there that we used to hunt sort of on the back of Pilliga. Uh, he unfortunately got killed in a car accident, so that sort of changed a lot of that. It changed access, uh, and I've, I've got into firearms probably through those channels, I guess. Yeah, it's always a shame when you, you lose someone a bit, you know, a good friend and that from, you know, bad circumstances, I guess. Too but, young, um, yep. Too, way, way too young. Now, what did you do? I always ask this question. It's not, it's not too personal, but it's it's a common question that I've got when, especially I've <laughs> I've found this many, many times. Okay, you've met your, your now wife and you said, hey, I'm a, I'm a hunter. What did she say? I don't think she minded that much. I don't think it's something that she understands properly. I'd, to be completely honest, um, she supports what I do. But, yeah. yeah, she's not, you know, I don't, it's not something that I talk about unless I know someone's into the, the passion or the interest of hunting. I probably don't, which sounds odd because I do YouTube videos, but I don't sort of go around and 
outside of that advertise that I hunt, um, unless I know someone's interested in it because a lot of people don't like it. Um, but she understands it. Look, she she came with a background of, of family that it was on farm and she used to go out there as a little girl. So she uh, she certainly understood it all. Yeah, it's crazy when I've sort of, you know, <laughs> I've met, gone on to meet some people, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, it hasn't gone down too well, Nathan. Let me just say that, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're trying to meet someone, they're like, oh, you go hunting? They're like, oh, yeah. Nah, not really. And I'm like, oh, great. Another one bites the dust. So I figured maybe we should not tell them straight away. <laughs> you know we I mean? shouldn't have to, though. There's nothing wrong with what we do. That's the frustrating part. It's just an understanding, I guess. But funny funny story, I used to hunt with my next-door neighbour who was diagonally lived behind us and uh, obviously both mad hunters and our elderly neighbours, we were talking to them one day and, and they sort of called us over and we were just talking and the lady sort of looked around like – bit of a conspiracy was happening and she said did you know he's got guns <laughs> I, I said i just what do you do i just had to say does he really oh really oh yeah he's got more than one too and i'm thinking jesus don't come in my garage there's antlers and stuff hanging up and, but uh yeah it's funny that perception but it is funny isn't it when you like it becomes just second hat to us i think you know when we when we sort of have guns, I, I just see it as being normal. I don't see it as being anything wrong with it, which there's, as we know, there's not. But, you know, other people, yeah, they just freak out. Or I just say, listen, without ammunition, it's really just a metal pipe that doesn't do anything. That really just sits just in a safe. Tool. Just a just tool. Just a tool. Yep. I mean, even though I'm a bit of a safe queen, you know, I'm not sure if you are, but, you know, I like to keep my things in, in good nick. So I try and, you know, treat them, tr- treat them nicely. You know what I mean? I probably should improve that aspect of my stuff. A lot of my stuff gets used a bit hard sometimes. So Yeah, I know. It's always hard, especially when I go in my mate's safe and he's got like, okay, dude, have you not heard like Inox or Lanox or anything? Dude, this has got rust <laughs> on the men. This is sacrificial. This is bad. That's a pet hate. I always, I always oil everything before I put it away. The, the corrosion, yeah. It, it happens sometimes, but it's a bit of a pet hate, I must admit. Yeah, I know exactly. Uh, what are you? What's your favourite game? Let's talk about. I guess what you like to hunt. Let's talk about that first. So definitely deer. Uh, the ruts just—it's an awesome season on the fallow and red deer. We've got a few of those in the Hunter Valley, sort of where I live. So uh, they're really dynamic to hunt, especially when you get red deer's roar or fallow that, that croak. It's um, can it can unfold pretty quickly. Uh, that's that'd be my most exciting thing to hunt uh do just want to clarify one point though which sounds a little bit odd i definitely delineate between hunting and shooting uh so i obviously do a lot of thermal stuff with night vision and and while that's still hunting animals i i do prefer to hunt deer at the daytime sort of fair chase you know it's um yeah the whole thermal gig sometimes i get questions on on youtube and people think that i'm out there shooting trophy animals with thermals and stuff and that's uh that couldn't be further from the truth i'd, I'd prefer to hunt them on their own terms on foot so yeah i, um, I see a lot of that hey eh? it's a very good topic you brought up because i do see a lot of that where people say well you know he's not utilizing meat or whatever it may be depending on what you're shooting you know depending on what type of species depends if it's obviously foxes we're not going to eat those but again sometimes people got to understand too that you know you're also out there to yeah, especially on private property out there to sort of do a job for the farmer and you know 100 you know i know yep. guys that are out there i mean people are going to hate me saying this but this is the reality of what really goes on i mean i know guys that have 
massive farms that, that they don't let anyone on, right? And I know them quite well. You think they'd let me on, but it doesn't happen sometimes either. <laughs> and they've oh, no. got deer like you would not believe. They shoot them and they put them in a hole. That's what they do. You know, yes. and some people can't understand that. They go, oh, that's just, it's wicked, you know. And I said, but you've got to understand they're on a farm. They've got, they've got money to make. I mean, yeah, they could get some things on, but they just, some people just don't want shooters on, on, on their property and they're still going to eradicate the deer somehow. Yeah, and I've seen that firsthand. Look at look at the deer culls in the Hunter Valley over the last few years. Exactly the same thing. And, it's, and look, I'm a trophy hunter as well, but we've got access to a few areas that will always take a few animals out while we're there, and whether that's for our use or someone else's or if the farmer wants dog meat or he just wants them pinned out, um, you know, that's that's the reality of a wild animal. They're not – no one owns them. They're free range, and I think some of those areas, the deer numbers just got too high. I mean, they shot – I think a couple of years ago, they shot 11,000 deer in the upper hunter. I mean, that's um, that's pretty high numbers. Yeah, exactly. It is. What about your What about your favourite deer? What are your Which ones are your favourite? Mostly probably up there. What probably uh, fallow? I guess would be. Uh, probably fallow and reds. But I I must admit I did three week long backpack hunts in 2019 into the Vic Alps after the Samba, and uh, yeah, I got I, that bug bit me pretty hard. Um, they're really hard to hunt. They're they're a challenging animal to see, let alone get a shot at. And I really enjoyed that. It's been a real as, as most people would know, 2020 was a bit of a, a whiteout with some of that, with all the COVID-19 stuff going on. So I didn't get to do any backpack hunts last year. But, um, yeah, I've, I've still got that Samba bug. I'm pretty keen to get back down there when the weather cools off, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. I've, I've got a small Samba once. Uh, I say this on the show regularly, but um, I've got a mate that's pretty, pretty well into deer, and even he said, I said, um, you know, have you seen Fallow and, and Samba hanging out? And he goes, never. And I said, really? I said, but these two animals were hanging out about a metre and a half from each other. I said, I thought it was a, <laughs> a chocolate fallow at first. And as the first one came out of this game trail, uh, it was the first one. That was the Samba. I just thought it was a chocolate fallow because I was sort of sitting in the weeds um, just on, on the ground ready to sort of stand up behind a tree and, and, and shoot one of them. And then another one caught my eye and it was a sandy coloured fallow. And then I shot the, the fallow first, um, did good, decent sized little spiker. And then I got the... Um, um, samba, and then when I walked over there, I thought, "Oh shit, it's not a not a chocolate fella. It's a bloody samba." Crazy, crazy. yeah. And they were right yeah, next yeah. to me. Make as you sure they were together. I go, dude, they came out of the same thing. I thought it was a fellow. I said, "The weeds are up to my neck. I could barely see over the weeds." And he goes, "Mate, never seen that before. I'd like to." I said, "Well, I shot both. I got photos. So if that, if that helps, you know." That's yeah. That's a um. That's a scenario that most people wouldn't see. So. You've got, to, you've got to like that. Exactly. Mate, what do you predominantly hunt? I mean, you like deer. Um, what do I you like the deer hunting. Hunt? I spend a lot of time hunting wild dogs and foxes, uh, specifically at night. I'm probably out two or three nights a week chasing those. So the, the wild dogs are a massive problem up here. You get a pack of animals in with some sheep or I've even uh, I've even had a few call-outs recently for uh, dogs you know, killing alpacas, which is pretty crazy. They're a big animal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they do a lot of damage, and they're a real challenge to shoot. It's um, it's it's been a a bit of a headbander to get this the probably the knowledge to to hunt them successfully. They're they're a really hard animal to hunt, even with all the the bells and whistles, thermal gear, all that sort of stuff. They're um, they're a very smart animal. They've got a big home range. Um, sometimes they'll develop patterns, so I put a lot of trail cameras out just to try and 
pick. You know, you might see the same animal come back the same spot for, you know, three days every third week for for an afternoon feed. So that you know, you can pattern them and try and go back and sit up there and try and shoot one. But it's um, it's a big buzz as well at the you know calling or, or howling up wild dogs. It's um, it's it's not for the faint-hearted if you're out there solo, pitch black doing that. I've had a few um, I've had a few hairy situations doing that. You know, a couple of kilometres from the car and pitch black. You got a little dim red headlight on that goes about two metres and. Your view or the rest of the paddocks are, I don't know, hold your thumbnail up to your eye and that's about the, the field of view of, of a lot of thermals. And um, you've got dogs howling back on three sides and the hairs on your neck stand up and I don't think I've been more scared yet excited at the same time. So it's a little bit of a buzz <laughs> doing that sometimes. But Yeah, absolutely. Oh, dogs. I mean, something I've never actually shot uh, before, surprisingly. I've never had this sort of opportunity. I, I saw one one time and just made an absolute dog's breakfast of it, no pun intended, but uh, it was about 10 metres away with the old 7 mil. I was actually hunting deer and uh, missed it completely <laughs> from like 10 they to 15 move, they, move around, they move around really fast. It's, um, and, and I'd done the same thing of a day like years ago. I had a pack come up a track, just unexpected, come up a, a farm track. That I was walking down, and I just wasn't ready for it. It just completely took me by surprise how quick they moved. I think there's about eight dogs that were just trotting straight towards me. They didn't know I was there. And exactly the same thing completely balls it up. I think I missed one and <laughs> sent some lead at another one and missed that. And it um yeah, they're a they're a real problem though. And it's a it's an interesting position to be in as a hunter because I guess I'd always come at it as a you know, while we while we help farmers and we and we and we, you know, there's a lot of mutual benefits to to landowners letting hunters on. It's it's probably more, uh, you know, will you do me a favour and let let me hunt on your property position? Whereas with the with the dogs, especially if you you know you get a few points on the board and, and get a little bit of a reputation, they're really glad that you can help them, and it's a it's a it's a good feeling as a hunter that you can go and you know possibly help them. Yeah, so I do. I do enjoy that side of it. Absolutely, we'll go for a quick break, but I want to talk about calling when we come back from the break. Camo Warehouse is Australia's leading supplier of quality hunting clothing and accessories. We stock leading outdoor clothing brands such as Rocky Boots, Georgia Boots, Hunter's Element, Ridgeline, Spiker, 511, Stony Creek and many more. Camo Warehouse is the leading supplier of optics and shooting accessories including Leopold, Bushnell, Zerotech, Lyman, Powerbeam and Lightforce. We can also order in custom Boyd stocks from the US to your specific requirements. Camo Warehouse offers as flexible, zero-interest payment options including Afterpay and ZipPay. Order via our website at camowarehouse.com.au or give us a call on 02 6771 2836. Mate, I want to talk about the calling them in because I know some guys that I know that maybe not necessarily target them, but, you know, if an animal's gone down, a sheep, a cow or something like that, sometimes they've been known to sort of sit over it. Maybe some wild dogs might come, maybe some foxes to have a bit of a chew, but how are you sort of uh, calling them in or how are you sort of getting them to come in or they just you're just hoping for um, the best at night or? Look, sometimes I might just spot them in the thermal because they're, they're more active in the dark. Um, exactly what you said, a lot of the time if there's a carcass there, I'll sit over that. That's certainly a good way to get them. 
or, or other times I'll, I'll how them up. Um, lately I've been running a, an Icotec caller um, just with some stock calls that are in it. Some of the some of the Coyote sounds are, are very dingo wild dog sounding. Uh, there's a few sounds on there with, you know, dog whimpers and things like that that can work well. Um, main thing with the dogs is, is not to overcall. It's not like, I don't know, if you, if you had an electronic caller and you went out to, to whistle a fox up, a lot of the time you'd stick it out in the paddock and you'd keep playing the thing for half an hour and, you know, eventually if there's one around it might come in. I don't find the dogs like that. You've got to sort of give it a break every few minutes so you don't, Overdo it because the reality is they don't overdo it either. You don't hear dogs constantly howling for half an hour. They might let a few out and another one might answer. It might be quiet for five minutes and then another one might howl. So you've got to try and mimic that call it natural sound, I guess, because um, they're pretty smart. If you stuck a caller out there that howled nonstop for 20 minutes, you'd probably run a good chance of just scaring them off. What are, you, what are you finding they're coming in for? More of a territorial thing? Because, you know, we've, I've had yeah, fox pros yeah. in the past and, you know, foxes come in obviously looking for a meal. So is it more of a territorial thing with dogs? Yep. or they're very territorial. Yep, more cu- territorial or, or curiosity, they might come in for that. Um, yeah, I've never had much luck with the predator sound on a dog. I've got to say I've seen dogs in the thermal, you know, they might be 300 metres away and I'll, I'll pop the little fox whistle out and, you know, they, they'll look but a lot of the time they just don't care. They'll just keep going about their business. So they're, they're, yeah, they're a funny animal to hunt. When they're sort of coming in, as you know, probably when you've shot foxes as well, <laughs> depends on the type of you know, year, well, time of year that it is. You know, you'll get sometimes fox, especially if you're on the whistle, tenor field or a fox pro or similar game caller. You know, sometimes they're a bit you know finicky about coming in. They might sit out there at 100 metres just, you know, sussing out the situation. Some of the times of the year, man, they're running in full stick and you're like, oh, oh, hey, hey. And exactly, exactly the same thing. Exactly the same. So I've probably learnt with some animals, it depends on the area. Um, I might put the caller 100 metres behind me and then get in front of it. I find sometimes they can be really standoffish and they'll, and they'll circle, but where a fox might come directly in to say 100 metres and then, and then they might try and circle around a little bit on an arc as they come in, the dogs might sit back three or 400 metres, maybe more, and they'll circle right around a big valley system. So I, I try and offset the caller to where I might be or I might move in. I might see one moving left to right on the ridge above me and I'll think, righto, he's he's going to go up over that, you know, it might be a saddle or something like that, and and I'll cut a beeline up there to try and cut it off. You've got to be um, – it's, it's pretty dynamic sometimes. It doesn't always work, but uh, often often it does. Are you ever getting more than one coming in, any doubles or triples or yeah, anything like yeah, that? Yeah, I've had, I've had three on the go. Coming in, uh, a lot of the spots I hunt don't seem to have. Well, there'd be bigger packs there, but I don't seem to get. You know, I've never had. You know, six dogs run in or anything like that. I've had a couple of groups of three come in. Um, a lot of the time, the you know, you, you'll get a male that'll come in as well. He might be a bit towy or, or territorial, um, as the male species of most animal types are. Um, they're the, the old females are the ones that are hard to get because they're really cagey. 
What do you when when you sort of shoot them? Obviously, you go back talk to farmer the next day, or maybe you know take photo or something. Or I don't know. What do they normally say when you you send us? Hey, I, sto- I smashed a couple stoked. of dogs. <laughs> Absolutely, stay. I send them a, normally send them a message straight up. Um, most farmers are pretty modern, and they they get on the text messages. So I'll normally take a picture and send it to them straight away. And they're um, you know, you're lucky if you don't get a call. They're stoked that you've shot one because they do so much damage, and it's it's a big monetary hit to them especially with the 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 you know lamb and and beef prices at the moment it's um they they lose it they can if they get a pack of dogs come through and lose 30 sheep in a night that's a lot of money for them so yeah. they're uh, they're they're really glad if you can help them out it's almost becoming sometimes more of an issue because you know as they get bigger foxes don't really tend to you know take on the bigger ones obviously because they're too scared <laughs> but when obviously when they're born they come right out foxes can be sort of straight into them but dogs i guess there's no real limit to the to the size of the sheep really just come in and start munching yep they'll do it for fun that that's the problem they'll um they'll just think that's a bit like dog chasing a ball they'll do yeah. it because they because they get enjoyment out of it and that's i've, I've seen that firsthand a, a, Property that I go on had a dog that was um, it had, it had eat a bit of the kidneys out of a sheep, but but not on all the animals it had killed, and and it had just every night it was just taking sheep. It's and, amazing, um, isn't it? What what are you yeah. seeing when um, you know, like just say you got two coming in, they sort of you know, because sometimes again I find foxes act totally different during the day that they do at night. Like I've had them sometimes at night. I've called in a fox. <laughs> sometimes you can call it right up to the front of the car. And it's staring at you. I'm like bang, you know. But during the day, you'd never never achieve that. So, uh, what are you sort of seeing if you got two coming in and you've shot one? Uh, is the other one normally bolting off and not looking back, <laughs> or sometimes yeah. do you get a second Some, look, or sometimes they'll look back. Um, you know, they make it. They might, might make a fatal mistake, but a lot of the time they they just out of there. You shoot one, and the other one's gone. So um, you've either got to have a crack on the run, or 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 just hopefully wait that they might get, you know, two or three hundred meters out. Sometimes um, if you've got a couple of animals, you might instantly change the sound on the caller. So you might go to a you know a dog in distress or something. So it's um, it, it might you know they might think it's their mate even though their mate's probably laying on the ground, they might pause and have a look back at that different sound. Uh, yeah, you just got to mix it up. It's, a, it's been a fair bit of trial and error. So what about foxes? You like hunting them too? I've seen a bit of – obviously we'll talk about YouTube yeah. in, a, in a bit, but um, you like shooting a bit of the foxes too, you know, shooting the rabbits as well, you know, hitting them pretty hard with a – I think the other day I saw you shooting with a 308. So. Yeah, that wasn't, that, wasn't a pl- that wasn't a planned trip. I was meant to be shooting pigs and goats on that trip, but, yeah, I had the 308 and that certainly worked on rabbits. But, um, yeah, I, I do like getting into the foxes as well, but a lot of the time I'll shoot them on the way out of a property. Uh, so if I've gone for a big walk and I've had a heap of hours with, for the dogs um, and I walk out and I see a couple of foxes, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll probably struggle to not shoot one if I'm on the way back to the car, whereas on the way in I might see a couple and leave them alone because I don't want to fire a shot and, you know, scare a p- potential wild dog out of the paddock. So it's, um, yeah, I, I do like shooting foxes though. They cause a lot of damage too, so. Yeah, absolutely. What do you spend most time on? I mean, do you you're more uh, private land? Or you, do you do a bit of? I know you think you did one of your videos. I watched it. Might have been a. I think it was a deer hunt or was it a pig. No, I think it was a pig yeah, actually. I went, yeah, I went up to Nundle the other week and did a did a state forest hunt up there. Um, look, but pr- mostly private. Um, I do hunt public land, but 
nowhere near as much as I hunt private property. I'm probably 90% private and, and I'll do 10% public land um, just to mix it up a little bit. Like I said, I like the Victorian stuff. Um, even though we've got good hunting in New South Wales, I like that high country stuff. I'd, I've done a lot of bushwalking over the years. So the Vic stuff in that big country, you can I, I sort of get to get to blend both interests, I guess. Bit of hunting, bit of camping. It's um, I, I like it. And and they're quite different too. I mean, obviously, I mean, sometimes I probably would say I prefer private land. I guess a bit more freer. You can obviously hunt at night where you can't on public land. But also, you know, it's kind of hard, as you probably know, if you've got friends or you've met people through, you know, YouTubing and making videos. You know, sometimes I've got no choice but to go to public land because I've got mates going, hey, Jace, let's go hunting. Or if not, I'm saying that. And (laughs) on the last trip when they opened up during COVID last year, probably around, I think it was the June or July long weekend, I think in June there, we had like 13 blokes and, you know, when you go to a property, no one really sort of wants 13 blokes hanging around, you know. Maybe they might say, listen, you can bring one, but that's really about it, you know. like Yeah, you, you definitely, know, definitely got to be careful there. It's hard, isn't it, you know, because uh, yep. what do you prefer? I guess you probably, obviously, you've got mostly private, so you probably prefer private over yeah, public Yeah, I land. probably prefer, look, I like both, but I probably do prefer private. You, you know, a lot of the time you'll get better results on private land because, it, you know, more open, better feed, you're right, you can shoot it at night. Um, but, yeah, the public stuff's great as well. It's it's a, it's a great opportunity that we've got. Mate, before we get into gear, we'll just go to a quick break because I want to have a great chat about uh, some of your favourite gear for hunting. So we'll go to a quick break and we'll be right back. Gunkeeper has been developed by the National Shooting Council to help gun clubs with cash grants to help them keep members and keep their doors open. It also helps gun dealers and other shooting businesses attract and keep customers with incentives. If you run a gun club or gun business, make sure you put your hand up for Gunkeeper today. For more information, go to the National Shooting Council's website at nationalshooting.org.au. Man, I want to talk about some gear. So let's talk about, first off, some of your favourite gear, and then we'll sort of get into, you know, guns and calibres and what you like. What's some of your favourite gear, guns, scopes? What do you like? All of it, mate. I'm a gear junkie. <laughs> love it. I was going to say you're a gear whore, but I didn't <laughs> Love it. Yep. Love the gear. Um, look, I do like Kuyu stuff. I'm a bit of a fanboy, self-admitted. Um, but I just find that stuff well thought out. It's well made. Um, if I had to name one thing that I like out of all my stuff, it would probably be my bino chest harness. Uh, only because I can either put binoculars in it or I use it for a thermal scanner at night uh, to sort of there's – a, there's a big dump bucket to put stuff in. I just find it really handy. I never used one until a few years ago, and, and it's the one – if you said to me, what's the one thing that you never leave home without, it's a, it's a chest pouch. I just find them super handy. Yeah, I know, and it's just, we'll talk about this a little bit later as well, but, you know, like night vision and that thermal stuff, that's, you know, really, really coming a long way. I think I just did a show about it uh, last week or two weeks ago and it um, seems to be quite popular and it seems to be things are very much building up in that industry and what you can sort of buy now to what was sort of available, you know, three, five years ago, three to five years yep. ago. It's, it's totally changed different. It's changed, yeah. Yeah, more competition, technology's advanced. It's, um, it's a really cool sort of space to watch evolve and it's it's like it's great as a user it's expensive as hell if you want good stuff but it um it's fun to use as well yeah no i totally agree what about let's talk about some guns so 
What's your go-to? Let's talk about all of them, really, I guess. We'll st- let's start off low <sighs> first, like rabbits, uh, foxes, your wild dogs. What's your go-to favourite calibres? What's the reloading or factory ammo? What are you using? So generally I'm a reloader. I have been since I started. I think the first gun I brought came with dyes and a heap of powder and stuff. So I've been – yeah, I, I don't tend to shoot much factory ammo because I've got the gear to load it. Um, Probably favourite rifle would have to be two two three. I've got a an eighteen year old ticker two three. It's um it's had a bit of a hard life, but it's it's shot well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's probably my favourite gun. I've done a lot of shooting in the last twelve months with a two a four Ruger, just to just to mix it up a little bit, and I like that. But it's um it's probably marginal on the dogs. If I if I'm completely honest, you've really got to put the bullet in the right spot. They're only a tiny little pill. Uh, I know I know a two two three doesn't shoot a, a projectile much bigger, but I, I find that they probably hit a little bit harder on the dogs. Um, saying that, I'm probably going to rebarrel that into something a little bit different at the moment. I'm having a bit of a a build phase on that rifle, so I've got a new carbon fibre stock on order. I'm going to make it lighter, so it's a bit better to carry around. And I'm at the moment I'm probably ninety percent. Sway that I'm going to rebarrel it into six mil bench rest, which is a little bit different. Yeah, right. Make sure you're reloading then, because <laughs> I think the brass is. I got a two sixty Remington, and man, it's uh, yeah, it's. I guess the powders the same. Pills aren't too bad, but uh, when it comes to brass, you know, about a hundred bucks for fifty, which is not crazy. It's the same. But, you know, it's the same. Yep. Yeah, it's the same. I'm pretty savvy with the brass. I lose it sometimes, but I guess habit. I just grab it. It's um. Yeah, I don't lose too much unless I get onto a mob of pigs or something like that, and then it's it all goes flying in the paddock. But what do you, what do you think of the two two three on the dogs? That pretty pretty standard fare. What are you what are you it's generally good. using yeah. the two o four two two three or anything bigger? Shot, look, I've probably shot more with the two o four, to be honest. But but that's only because that's predominantly been the rifle I've used with the thermal gear on it. Yep. Uh, but I've shot with the two two three as well. They're both they're both good cartridges, and I think. The biggest thing with the, the night vision and the thermal stuff is a lot of your shots aren't longer. I've taken longer shots, but a lot of the time, you know, you're in that 100-metre range. You don't need a, you know, 400-metre long-range rifle or something like that. You just um, – it's pitch black. If, you, if you're doing everything right, you can close the gap a little bit to a under 150-metre range. I won't say it's easy, but it's, it's certainly possible. Yeah, which one did you say you're going to rebarrel? Is it the the two two three or the two o four? Two two three, yeah, the two two three, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's just a bit burned out. It's got some throat erosion, and the groups are starting to open up. So, we'll we'll give it a birthday. Well, mate, not is what you said it was eighteen years old. Yep, yep, it's had a good run. <laughs> not too bad then when you really. When you really yep. consider it, I was tossing up between that before too. Like a lot of people, you know, there's always a fight about two hundred four versus uh, twenty two two fifty, and I'm, I don't know. I just got a, I got a feeling I like the twenty two two fifty for some reason. Um, I've got the two four three. Whether I ever rebarrel that or just buy another gun, probably just buy another gun. No doubt, no, my luck. But um, speaking of that, you got any uh, gun purchases or any big scale purchases on the horizon? If yeah, so, what are they? It's probably going to cost a bit to do that rebuild on the two D three, but. I must admit I've been eyeing off a Begara uh, HMR in 6.5 PRC. Ah. I like the look look of those. I haven't sort of dabbled in any long-range kind of stuff. I've just sold my 270 WSM, 
which used to go all right at a bit of range. So I'm probably looking to replace that with something else a bit heavier. And that's that's sort of what I'm honing in on. I like the look of the, the cartridge looks good. The ballistics are good. Um, the Bagaras look good. They look well made. They've got a good mix of um, build parts in them. So Yeah. Well, speaking from a bit of advice, because I've got one, I've got a uh, three. <laughs> good to know. I've got a three hundred Winchester Magnum in the Bagara B fourteen HMR, mate. You won't go wrong. I can't. There you go. At this point, Bagara should be paying me because I think I've said it that many times over the last <laughs> month or so on my mate's live stream, and then this show. <laughs> you know, they're really good, man. And you know, Remi- they look good. They look good. Yep. Remington seven hundred footprint. Uh, you can get you know all the parts for them if the stock ends up you know shitting itself or you drive over it by accident or something. You know it's you can just replace the replace it. They're ready to go. Twenty four inch barrel. Probably not really. You know even though they say hunting match rifle. Uh, yeah, hunt, I wouldn't. It'd be a bit heavy. I think it's a bit. It's very heavy, especially if you yeah. put a decent sized scope on it or a you know a good magnification scope. It'd probably be yeah you know, whether it'd even be suitable for the quad. I don't know, but I know you do a fair bit of quad no, hunting. I'd put on but, the quad. You put it on the quad. I put that's that's where the heavy guns are sort of handy on that because they shoot well. Yeah, yeah. But if you if you're like across, you know, you can shoot across a valley or something, get up high. Oh, mate, it'd be absolutely perfect for that. You'd just be laughing. But that's the plan. I, I think when I bought mine, though, I was going to buy the 300 PRC, but I don't think uh, Heron was the import. I don't think Heron had them at the time. They only had the 308, 300 Wim Mag, 65 Creedmoor. And I think that's all they had at the time. So I don't know. You might have to – I don't even know if they've even got any in stock or whether they're in stock, but you should, you, you might be lucky, yeah. Yeah, it's something I've got to start to sort of chase it up in the next couple of weeks. I've been mulling it over for a little while. And like I said, I sold the, the 270 Wisdom a few weeks ago a little bit quicker than I thought. So I uh, I better replace it. There's a hole in the gun safe. So Yeah, and they're a nice, uh, really, really nice um, stock too. Like, oh, dude. I've got to say, I love it. <laughs> I've only shot it like three, t- three shots out of it so far because I bought that many guns at one time. You know what happens? I live in Sydney, so it's hard to get out sometimes. So I've got a twenty-two to do load development, a 7 mil, a three hundred Wim Mag. Uh, uh-huh. You've got ends. some fun then, mate. Uh, Can you go to St Mary's at the moment? Or? Yeah, well, that's what any- you've got to book in now. And I'm, I've, I've got a bookings. I just got finally got a scope, as we were talking about before the show, uh, for, you know, the – well, I moved the 7 mil over to the, the Zeiss over there with 22 I've got another one coming for the seven mil, so I've got to do a bit of just a bit of um, chronographing for a couple of those loads. Once I've done that, I think I'll have a good load, and then head out to the other range, the longer range, and then hopefully get some good results from that. But yeah, I, I can't recommend the Bagara more than if you like. I'm actually keen to try out some of their normal, like not normal, the like the sporter versions and some of their other rifles because the HMR, like oh mate, very nice, very nice, well yeah, put together good. with some good reloads. Hey, good. You'll get a good result out of it, that's for sure. As long as I can get brass, that seems to be the challenge for some of the cartridges at the moment with some there's a few shortages on stuff some around some stores anyway. Absolutely. Man, um, uh, let's talk about first, cause, which we haven't done, which is the main reason for the show. You decided to make some YouTube videos for, I guess, all our enjoyment when we're actually not out hunting because that's what we generally do. We <laughs> look at other people's uh, hunting content because we can't go out and do it ourselves. So... Uh, what sort of sparked your interest in starting to get involved in that? Look, I, I guess I've always been one to – it's the same as yourself. I've always enjoyed watching YouTube. Um, it's always a good information source if I want to buy something. I like watching all the other hunting channels, and I figured I was doing a bit of hunting and maybe I could sort of share some of that passion with others. So that's probably the the main reason, and I, 
I figured one day I'll be I'll be old in a nursing home, sitting next to someone called Cyril, probably that's grumpy, <laughs> and I'll be able to say to him, "Hey, have a look what I used to do when I was younger." Yeah, that's good, isn't it? It's good to document sort of you know your hunts and look back and say, well, "That was a good hunt." And that's uh, yeah. Yep. What, well, that's exactly you're exactly right. I, you know, I still look back at old hunting pictures and think, "Oh gosh, that was a good trip," and you know, take out the the view counts and other people watching it, I think they'll be good memories when I'm older. Yeah, no. Where, where do you want to sort of take it in the future? I mean, Matt, it'd be great if we had like hundreds of thousands of subscribers and we could just hunt full time. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Look, <laughs> Get paid to hunt, shit, you know? I, I don't know if we'll ever see that. Not in Australia anyway. I think there's just not enough support behind that platform. At the moment, it's um it's a little bit of a challenge with some of the content. There's a little bit of restrictions popping up here and there with with some of that stuff. Um, certainly, they don't like to see too much blood or you know a, a, a deer being processed or any of that sort of stuff. It seems to be a pretty quick way to get a video demonetized, even though it's you know you could call it educational content. Uh, yeah. They don't seem to like that stuff. So, uh, look, I'm just happy to keep doing. What I do, um, if I can upgrade some cameras and get some of the, the footage a little bit better, great. But, yeah, I'm just I'm just having a bit of fun with it. I've met a lot of really good people. The YouTube, call it the community of other people that, that have got great channels as well, everyone's really supportive of one another. And, you know, I've had a lot of people touch base and, and I've talked to other people that are starting off and stuff like that. It's, um, it's, it's really good. It's, it's great to see, actually. I just get a bit freaked out about YouTube because, as you know, as the way they're going, they're cracking down on sort of you know, gun channels, hunting channels. And, you know, I always have a chat to a mate and he goes, oh, you know, like they're, they're way too big. And I, you know, I always come from the thing, as you know, everything, and maybe YouTube is too big to fail, but, you know, I always say to people, you know, sometimes every service has its lifespan. I mean, if you think 10 years ago, even before Facebook, name one of those sites that are around now today. You know, generally there seems to be a bit of a movement between, you know, look at these young kids. It's, you know, maybe your kids are into it too. There's all this TikTok these days. But, you know, yep. three, three years ago, mate, it was Vine. It was the Vine app. And now, mate, no one talks about Vine. It's all TikTok. And, you know, that's what I just get freaked out about. There's a lot of great YouTubers on there. And, you know, the I mean, who, who remembers MySpace when we were growing up, right? And, mate, that was the biggest site on the internet, and now it's nothing. So I just get freaked yep. out of all the work people put into YouTube, and, you know, will it always be there? That's the that's the hardest part when you're, you know, I guess podcasting, I don't have to rely on anyone or anything, but, you know, I just rely on my server to provide, you know, space to, to load up my show. But I just get freaked out thinking, well, all the good content, or do they, are they going to clamp down on, does that worry you about clamping down on hunting and shooting yeah, channels, you know? it does a little bit. It's, it's funny some of the stuff that gets suppressed as well it's um they don't seem to mind the thermal stuff which it might not show red blood but sometimes it's a bit graphic dude i saw those rabbits that doesn't seem that doesn't seem to get a hit at all (laughs) doesn't get a hit at all whereas i I did a video a little while ago on the on the tripod that i shoot off and they demonetize that instantly and i challenged it and they said no it shows firearms in an unsafe environment because i did it you know, behind the hedge in my backyard, and it was an unloaded gun. Didn't even have a bolt in it. Yeah, um, it, it's just it, the inconsistencies are frustrating. But look, I, I guess you just sort of got to work within the rules while you're on their platform. And I think you're right that there might be some moves to to other spaces in the future, and that's uh, that's certainly something that I keep an eye on. And we'll just have to see where it goes. I guess at the moment that the, the platform works, so 
and and it gets and and that's you know that's the problem with moving away from it is there's do you get a, do you get an audience if you're trying to grow something on a lesser known platform? That's the hard thing. Yeah, it seems to be the only real place now that really people go, especially the kids that are. That's all they know is TikTok yeah. and bloody YouTube, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I don't have TikTok though. You will in time. You will in time. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I don't have TikTok. I swore I I'd never it, ever mate. get TikTok. I'm not it. getting TikTok. You know, I'm not fucking turning into a 16 year old, 14 year old kid. You know what I mean? And oh, but it's yeah, no, I agree. Never grow up, mate. Never grow up. Exactly, mate. We're 40. We've and just I was thinking about that with we're four. We're talking about deer, my mate. Like, and you love the rut too. And I was thinking, shit, man. Like I'm 40, and you're 40 next year. Or you're 40. I'm both. We're both 40 next year. And I just thought, shit. You know, if we could hunt, hopefully we keep in fairly good health, and we can, you know, hunt hopefully to our 70s. But you know, really, when we think about it, shit. That's only 25 ruts to go before we're 65. Time's going you know? quick, mate. I I was talking to someone about a few red deer hunts that I had in Queensland. That was 10 years ago. doesn't yeah. seem like 10 years ago, but when I said, oh, you know, you sound old, oh, 10 years ago. It's, uh, yeah, the, the clock's certainly ticking. Where does time go, mate? I remember, like, I think from like 20 or 18 to 25, I was like, man, this is going slow. This is awesome. And, like, and then, oh, shit, you're 39 and holy crap, where did the last 10 years go? You know, I've been going on holidays, like shooting ducks for, shit, I've been going to this property for 12 years now, you know, and I'm like, wow, like, where did the time go? Shit, I look so young, it's young in some of these photos. Yeah, so. yeah that's what I love, I've got dark hair and a lot of mine. Uh, hey, at least as far as I can tell, you've still got a good head of hair and so do I, so. It's all there, it's a bit, you know? it's a bit silver, but we'll call, them, we'll call them points on the board, the grey ones. I know, I've got a bit coming in too now, but it happens, I guess, when you get older, eh? it's part of it, but mate, yeah. where, where do you sort of get inspiration for videos and um, yeah, that's my, yeah, that's the main question. I probably just do me, I sound that, I know that sounds a bit weird, I just go and hunt and if I can, if I can share it, great. Um, a lot of the time, it might I might do a certain trip or or a topic, and that'll generate another question, and a couple of people might ask the same thing, and I'll think, okay, well, I'll try and help a few people and do a video on that topic, and you know, just kind of bounce around a little bit like that. There's no real structure to it. It's just yeah, sharing what sharing what I love, really. Yeah, absolutely. All right, quick break, guys. We'll be right back. The new Zeiss Conquest V4 line of high-performance rifle scopes combines tried-and-true Zeiss optics with a rugged and functional design, providing high-definition glass. Enhanced with T-Star and low-to-tech protective lens coatings produces 90% to the eye-light transmission. This means excellent low-light performance and resolution across the entire magnification range. Zeiss Conquest V4 rifle scopes were designed as a lightweight, high-performance scope for demanding hunting and shooting applications. Visit o usaaustralia.com.au to find your local dealer. Zeiss, we make it visible. Mate, pros and cons of making videos and and sharing with an online audience. Now I know sometimes you've you know, you, and we'll talk about a bit about night vision in a minute as well and doing the nighttime stuff. But uh, I've made a few rabbit hunting videos in my time, and you know people just get seem to get cut about you know oh you're not eating them. Uh, you know I use a two sixty Remington. You know you'll be using maybe a six mil BR soon. Um, you know that's overkill. That's expensive. I mean. You know, what are the pros and cons? People just seem to get angry about when you're doing a job for a farmer now. Like, like not everything has to be eaten when you're doing, you know, a job for a farmer. They want results. They want, you know, they want That's results it. at the end of the day, you know? Yep, I've, I've heard it all, mate. And, look, I'd have to say, though, probably 98% of the remarks are positive, which is great to see. Um, you do get the negative 
stuff come through. Uh, look, I generally, unless it's really nasty, I won't delete a comment. I'll, I'll try and engage with the person that wrote it, um, especially, you know, if you think posting a, a rabbit video or something's bad, you should see some of the stuff that comes through when you put up a wild dog video. Some of the um, some of the responses are outright nasty. Some of them are probably very naive. I think I had a um, I think a lady told me once that I should be feeding the wild dogs to live <laughs> capture and then rehome them as people's pets. And neutering I, um, them and then re- rehoming them. <laughs> I literally, yeah, I think I wrote back and I said, you do realise that these are, you know, interbred over generations with, with dingoes and domestic animals and they're, you know, if you tried to make an, a full-grown one a pet, it'd be like trying to tame a lion. And um, she, I think she thumbed down my comment and that was the, you know, the engagement there. But it's, um, look, I get a lot of satisfaction out of the videos. I'll, like I said before, I've made some really good friends through it. The um, the interaction's really good on 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 the comment side of YouTube. You know, you get lots of questions and lots of um, lots of positive comments, which is probably the bigger takeaway from it. Um, the kind of be the little bit of negativity, the time it takes. You know, as as same it would be with what you do. It's um, you spend a fair bit of time bolting all the things together with different clips and audio and all that sort of stuff it's um but i enjoy that side of it as well so that's um that's offset yeah no it's true eh? it's 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 good and you, you, like it's good we i keep saying to people they said oh but yeah you know you might show and as you've done too and most of us have done and i was talking to um uh robbo from bold action productions and he was talking about how much shit he gets from about especially about foxes they seemed and you said wild dogs as well now and you know people yeah. seem to just see foxes as some sort of you know nice little uh, family pet that's cute and cuddly not realizing that it'll, it'll eat a, a newborn lamb coming out the you know coming out of where it's coming out of you know while it's being born yeah. and think it's all it's all good and kosher when it's not really and you know yeah, he seems to get a bit of grief Oh, he does, and, and I had some. I think the, the, one of the rabbit videos I did the other week, um, someone posted a comment and said that I should leave the foxes alone. Didn't you know Australia has a rabbit plague and the foxes are the only thing holding it back? And I thought, <laughs> there you go. You must have read something from the <laughs> 1970s maybe, but um, there's uh, a few rabbits about. I don't know about my area, but there's no plague. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the foxes do more damage than just eating rabbits. So mm. it's um, but again, I tried to sort of engage on that topic, and um, a lot of the comments, interestingly, come from people overseas. Yeah, and some of that might be a, a targeted thing. You know, they might be any hunting, and they'll, I don't know, strangely go around all the hunting channels and just put a thumb down and tell you that you're a, a murderer and you should be shot. Which yeah. is um, which is an interesting angle because it's um, I often think of you know imagine if a, a hunter told some of those people the responses that they tell us you'd probably go to jail. Yet they seem to pretty freely throw stuff out there. So it's um, it's all it's all thinly veiled stuff, but it's 
Yeah, I, I don't quite get that. But anyway, a lot of that stuff I just delete, move on. Mm. And then you get the, sometimes the, you know, the disappointing that shooters don't understand the difference between sometimes about, you know, hunting for meat. Sometimes there's, you know, I do that as I know you do that as well. And then other times there's times not for that. But it seems, again, sometimes shooters are getting caught up in the in the whole thing as well. And it's like, dude, you know, like you understand sometimes it's pest control. Like I've had to do, I've told friends, I mean, not, not everyone's cup of tea, but I used to do farmers. I've had to shit shoot bats and fruit bats on, on crops. I've had yep. to um, go down the riverina and shoot ducks. I've had to clean up galahs. People go, oh, fuck, you're shooting galahs. I go, yeah, that's legal down there, 100% yeah, legal it's to do. Yeah, under permit, yeah. Um, yep. uh, it's fine, you know what I mean? Oh, really? Yeah, you can't be, that's a pet, you know? And I said, well, mate, you've got to understand the difference sometimes between pest control and what the farmers are asking you to do do legally than than just get your back up about it or you know oh nathan might be shooting you know night vision and i mean i love personally i loved it i think i saw one of your videos a couple of weeks ago you might have been that 308 one or there was one where they were on the tracks there was about four of them on the tracks i think you hit like four or five in a row and you you sort of oh, see no, they were the fox they were the foxes oh yeah. was that foxes yep. was it yep. um yeah, it was too. The little cubs, yeah, were they cubs or yeah. something? Yeah. Oh, mate, that yeah, was epic. Poor, poor, was little, like, poor little devils. Yeah, <laughs> this, this yeah. is great. You know, this is this is what I've lived for. Um, yeah, but yeah, some people sort of don't understand that. You know, and uh, I just wish they yeah. would. I sometimes. think I had some comments on that. You know, like people like and, and from the from the hunting side. You know, there's no sport in that, and I'm like, I don't shoot. Fo- Look, I enjoy hunting, but I, I don't shoot foxes for sport. I shoot foxes for pest control. And, you know, if I told a, a property owner, if he said, oh, did you shoot any foxes? And I said, oh, look, I only I only saw baby ones and, and you know, young foxes that, that walked up to within 10 metres and there was no sport in that, so I didn't shoot any. I can guarantee you wouldn't be back on the property. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just wish people you – know, and sometimes – and that's what the good thing about – you know, hunting and shooting, I guess. Sometimes you do the nighttime stuff and sometimes you might, uh, you know, go and do some daytime deer hunting where it's it's totally different. Then the next thing you might be doing a pig hunt on a, on you know, yep. in, in, a, in a state forest and then, you know, maybe you've got a goat hunt on a private property somewhere and, you know, it's, it's sort of you know, got its all its checks and balances and, you know, just wish some people yeah, understand I, I, that. I like, I like to try and mix it up as well. It's, um, like I said, it's a, it's a passion. It's not just about doing one thing as long as I'm, as long as I'm outdoors and, and wandering around, it, it makes me a happy person. So, absolutely, man. What's the? And you said your reaction's been pretty good to me. How long have you been making videos for now? Oh, I think I started. I think I did my first hunting video in the the rut two years ago, just with a mobile. I just started with a mobile phone. Um, I think I did that one, and then I might have did a couple of high country trips just with the phone and stuff like that. Um, Probably you'd call it eighteen months. Yeah, um, that's good. I only, I only just brought a brought a decent camera not that long ago, so it's um. Well, I won't say it's decent. I brought a camera. It's, um, <laughs> Don't get in that path, dude. You've got no money uh, left. <laughs> it's, it's happened. It's happened, mate. Bloody drones and GoPros and yeah. Never anyway, ends, does it? I'm having, I'm having fun with it. I'm having fun with it. That's all right. That's the main thing. And uh, yeah, your reaction's been good. That was the next question. Sorry. Uh, what can people expect in the future? What are they going to expect from Nathan Stewart from Edge of the Outback? Look, I want to get better deer hunting in 2021, hopefully. COVID was a real bitch last year, and I'd love to say that I'll be back down to Victoria when the weather cools off, but at the start that we've had with the border being closed already, I think it's just going to be a suck it and see kind of year again, unfortunately. But um, yeah, that's what I really want to do. I want to get I want to get some more 
bigger deer hunts in and try and try and film a lot more of that. It's a lot harder to film that. So hats off to the guys that get the the awesome deer hunting footage because it's um it's not easy, especially if you're solo. It's a real it's a real sort of pain to set cameras up and then then worry about shooting. You know, a lot of the time it's it's a challenge enough just to to worry about shooting, let alone trying to film stuff. So. It's, Absolutely, um, especially in the yeah. thick stuff too. I've tried it. Yeah, and I know Robbo's tried. His people have tried it, and then, mate, sometimes you you come around a corner, <laughs> or you come around an edge, then boom, a deer staring at you. I mean, how do you? And sometimes it's either film it or shoot it. There's no, you can't have both. Yeah, that's it. And that last pig hunt I did up at the state forest, I literally just I saw it and went, oh, there it is, and I could make it out just in the scope. And I, all I literally did was was chuck the GoPro on the grass next to me. And um, it, I, I thought it captured a pretty cool angle, but it's um, yeah. Sometimes you just got to go with what you've what you've got at hand, I guess. I want to talk about because even though I did a show about it. People will, that come out a couple of weeks ago, but um, this one will come out at the end of uh, January. Night vision has come a long way. I mean, you seem to know a fair bit about that and what you sort of enjoy shooting and you know things you've done right, things you've done wrong. Perhaps you know some people select the wrong, completely the wrong thing. You know, so what's your been your experience been with um, night vision? What sort of any tips and tricks you can give people that might help them out if they're selecting some type of uh, thermal or optic? Biggest advice, buy once, cry once. I've probably been through four thermal scanners. Um, I'm happy with the one I've got at the moment, but it's um, I probably could have saved a bit of money if I just saved up for a better one to start with. And I think um I think was it was it Bastion? Yeah, that's right. Did yeah, the, yeah I think I look I, I listened to that podcast and look hundred percent agreed with what he said. It's um the thermal scanner is key. It's, you know, you can go and buy a scope and, and, and as he said, there's, you know, red lights and night vision devices and thermal scopes and all that stuff. The, the most important thing you've got out there is that thermal scanner because it just gives you that passive detection. You can walk call it, walk around like the boogeyman. You've got no light shining around. Uh, you, can, you can find things, especially when the weather's cool. They just glow in the thermal. So it's... um. That's probably the biggest advice. If you're going to get into it, get the best thermal scanner that you can get and then work into, you know, start off with a red light, either make a, make a decision whether you want to go to thermal scope or, or night vision scope. There's, there's pros and cons to both. Um, the big con to thermal would be the price because it's bloody expensive. Uh, the pros, though... It's a lot. It's a lot easier to transition from a thermal scanner when you've seen something to a thermal scope, because it's a it's a like for like image. Whereas, especially at the moment with all the grass we've got everywhere, night vision tends to flare out a little bit if you've got an obstruction between you and an animal. So if you've got, you know, a lot of places I've been, the grass might have been a metre high. You're trying to see a fox through that. You might see that fox, you know six or seven metres back in that grass, you might just see the top of its head and its t- its back line walking through the grass. If you try and see that with night vision, you actually can't penetrate into the grass because the, call it the exposure on it, they auto-compensate brightness because they're basically a, a camera that sees infrared light. They'll they'll flare out on that closer surface of, of blades of grass. So it's um there's certainly cons to night vision in that regard, but the pros to night vision the target id is really good because it's just a black and white image 
similar to what you'd get through a through a day scape. Maybe you know you bit less resolution, but similar. Whereas the thermal target, they're not they're nowhere near as clear. Um, especially at range, you know, if you under a hundred meters, most of them are pretty good. If you get out over that, that's when things start to get pretty pixelated, uh, and that's that's probably where your better quality stuff comes into its own if you're going to stretch the range out a little bit. Yeah. If I had to pick one thing I definitely got from that was definitely definitely spend. <laughs> you're going to have to spend you know, decent sort of money if you want something serious because and that's one thing you really don't want to you know, buy something that you're not exactly going to be happy with. And I had no idea. I think I, I think I told you this before the show. And um, I had to sort of stop the show with one shot with uh, at one stage with Bastion. And I said, oh, I'm not getting this. I mean, is there, is there something I'm missing here or what's happening? But I didn't get that. I thought most of these things were like, yeah, thermal scopes. I didn't know they had scanners and yeah, one, so it's like um, a monocular so like yeah a like a monocular yeah. and he's yeah. like no you use your day scope and a red light I'm going, red light was it on the scope is it a is it through the scope and he goes and it was just again i don't have any experience with this sort of thing i've got a maintenance couple of but i don't really discuss it with them because i don't do much nighttime hunting but and i was just like how does it work but it makes total sense yeah using because he goes you know you don't want to be holding the rifle up you know every second nah. every second of the thing going hang on okay look around with the, through the gun basically and then put the gun down and go because right, you try and do that a, a thousand times a night mate he goes trust me you're going to be have your shoulders are going to be pretty sore the next day man and he says sometimes it's better he goes just go on bloody aliexpress or something pick up one of those red lights you buy the attachment that goes on your on the top of your scope or whatever just clamps on with a you know soft pouch or something just to keep it from damaging your scope and he goes get one with a three or four different settings like your low medium eye and then he goes and you, you find where the game is then bring up your gun with your normal day scope on it and then he goes turn the red light on very low and just see if you can see it. if you need if you need it up a bit turn it up a bit or press it to the next level and then normally he goes I, at least when I, he's doing it he said I don't really spook the animals unless you like really go full wham bam uh, you yeah. know, red light or something he goes or if you're not using a red light maybe you've got a torch on there he goes I find the red light doesn't really spook them deer foxes and you, you're just enough to get them into the scope so you, you, your day scope can see them bang take the shot because you, you know you already know it's a fox you can see it through the you know the night vision or thermal or whatever um, and Bob's your uncle. And I said, wow. So people are sort of more doing that. And he said, yeah, because you can spend the more money and go the scope route as well. And he goes, that's, that's really good too. But he goes, I'm just saying this is, this is the good way to get people started. And I said, makes total sense now. Yeah, the scope's called the scope phase two. Uh, it's, definitely, it's definitely, to me, it's, it's all about the scanner. And, you know, I hate to say to people, oh, I told you so. But I've, I've had discussions with, with people on Facebook or YouTube and they've said, Oh, I want to get a you know, I want to get a rifle scope first and I'll say, mate, get a scanner. It's it's you know, I think I've used the words it, it sucks ass rifle scanning because you're holding a gun up. The field of view is people don't understand the field of view is not like looking through a day scope. It's it's a lot narrower. And, you know, you try and do that all night. I spend hours on a thermal scanner just looking through the screen. Yeah. And to think to do that with a gun, and anyway, you have people that go, no, 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 I'm going to buy a really good scope and I'll use that as a scanner. And you just sometimes you've just sort of got to be away and say, okay, mate, well, that's what I'll, my my advice is. They go and get the scope and they do one trip away and they're messaging you saying, what's the best scanner, mate? I can't keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, so, I know. I never even thought like I looked. Some I used to look at some of them and go like, how does this? You know, like 
I guess I never really had that much interest to, to pursue it or to, you know, because again, the, the, how much am I going to spend to how much am I going to use it? But, you know, you've obviously got a large access to, you know, properties close by where it's something you're really going to put, you know, the, you know, put to I use wouldn't very have it well. If I, didn't you know? use, I wouldn't have it if I didn't use it as much as I do because it's, it's expensive stuff. But yep. I guess it's the same if you live near the coast, you might have a boat. Um, I've got thermal stuff, so... <laughs> <laughs> and it seems to be getting popular. It's going to be very interesting to see, you know, in the next, say, you know, five years, even 10 years, like how good the technology is going to get. Oh, and, I hope so. We'll know. look back at what we're using now and say, God, how did we use that? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Um, I remember talking about a guy and from Leica when I did a show on, you know, optics and stuff. And he said, that's eventually what we'll be doing. He goes, you know, we use glass and, and prisms and so forth. Now he goes, eventually you'll just be looking, it'll be so good, you'll be looking at a digital image. Yeah, well, they're, they're merging into the thermal scene now. I think they've got a device out or due out soon. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm sort of excited, you know. I wish we could just... It's, know, a, yeah. it's a good space. Yeah, I, I just thought, imagine if we could just, you know, not, not fast forward our lives, but imagine you go into like, you know, uh, you know, 2200 or something, you know, 1,000 years and see what the technology would be like yeah. and how awesome it would be. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I guess we're just progressing, but um, mate, what about quad bike? You go on the quad bike. How useful are they? I know a lot of guys. Um, got a couple of mates that they love the quad bike, love the quad bikes with the rabbits and the shotguns and so forth, and chasing them around. And is it worthwhile uh, uh, buying a quad? Look, for me, it was. I never had one. Um, did a trip like years and years ago. Went away with a mate, and we took his grandfather's farm quad. I think we went out to Marywell or somewhere like that, and. Um, I was just sold on the concept of I think we strapped a milk crate to it in a gun bag and rode it around all weekend and I thought, yep, I'm going to get one of those. Um, they're super useful. They're not heavy like a four-wheel drive. So one of the big things that I've found with them over the years, especially when the weather's really wet, and I've had it you know, said to me multiple times, that they wouldn't let you on that property in a four-wheel drive, but because you've got a quad, you can go out because you just don't have that impact on the paddocks that a car would put in big ruts in it, and especially if they've got crops and stuff like that and they're worried about, you know, erosion and big washouts in paddocks and stuff. The, um, the quads are good for that, but flip side, they're bloody dangerous. There's a lot of people killed on quad bikes every year, and that's why we're seeing, you know, the introductions of new legislation with rollover protection and all that sort of stuff on them. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, that's probably where the side-by-sides come in a little bit more. It's a bit of a trend to, to move to those. But for me, I prefer the quad because it's more portable. Side-by-side, side, you, you basically need a small car trailer to put those on. They're bigger to store at home. You know, I probably get my quad out six or eight times a year and take it hunting. You know, it's a, it's a more expensive asset if you've got a side-by-side a side buggy sitting out in the shed out the back just for hunting. But um, yeah. no, I find, I find them a good machine and they're a great platform. Look, I've got mine set up, we'll call it a platform, to shoot off with a padded rail and all that sort of stuff. And it's, um, I mean, I often get asked in the videos, a lot of shooting I do if I'm on foot, I'll, I'll use a tripod. If I've got the quad out there, I'm shooting on off the quad bike, off the rail on the quad, and people say to me, you know, what are you shooting off? It's really steady. And I'm like, I'm, ju- I'm just using that padded rail. So, you know, call it a a big-ass bipod that you're sitting on, they're certainly good to shoot off if you set them up the right way. I know. It's, I've been looking at one for a while, but, 
You know, sometimes even when I go uh, south, I'm in the farm where I hunt ducks, mate. <laughs> he, he doesn't care about anything, really. But <laughs> uh, other guys, he, he says to us, like, if he puts us on someone else, he'll go, don't don't mention quads or anything, eh, because he, he won't let you on. And I said, oh, okay, right. Yeah. So, and that's um, that legislation safety yeah. side of it. You know, they're, they're worried about some, a rollover and someone getting injured. So, and, yeah. and I can understand that, so. It's pretty sad it's come to that, isn't it? Sort of a little bit, you know, that farmers are a bit scared oh. to let people on. But, I mean, it's their property. Obviously, they decide what goes on, which is which is totally fair. But yep. it's a shame people have got scared off by it a little bit, you know, and say, oh, you know, just just go to your four-wheel drive. Don't even take the quads there. Because, oh, if you are going to take them, say, mate, we're leaving them on the trailer. They're not coming. We're just using yep. the car. And they'll be like, yeah, okay, cool, you know. Yeah. No, I, have, I haven't had that happen yet. But, look, I can probably see it on the horizon and, you know, whether I put a – whether I put some sort of rollover thing on mine and that satisfies a, a property owner that, that let you use it, I don't know. Time will tell. Guess we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it, eh? I guess at the end of the day. Yeah. Yep. Mate, any bucket list items, uh, hunts, you know, obviously here, anything you want to hunt specifically that you haven't hunted or anything overseas that you'd like to have a crack at? Yes and yes. So I'd love to shoot a, a trophy Samber Stag. That's... um. I think that, I don't think there'd be too many Aussie hunters that haven't looked at a picture of one of those guys and thought, I'd love to get one of those. That's certainly on the bucket list. And I'd, I'd love to get a tar hunt in New Zealand. That's, um, that's something that I've been thinking about more and more lately. I don't know when I'll get to do it with two little kids, but it's, um, yeah, I've been looking at that a lot more lately. I think, you know, that's that, you know, really extreme terrain. A lot of the time it's extreme shooting. Just everything in that appeals to me, so that's um, that's what I'd like to do anyway. Perfect, mate. To finish off, I, I always like to finish off with a hunting story, so I want to feel like I'm there. I want to feel like I'm living the story. You so, want to feel like you're there, right? Yeah. Eh? So we'll talk Time about we'll day, talk about summer, winter, night, day. Let me feel it. I want to feel it. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Wally's first pig. So I've got a I've got an old mate. I think I think Wall's he's getting on now. He'd, he'd be late sixties. And uh, he's done a lot of hunting with us, lovely man. He'd never see this was probably, I'll sound old, it was probably eight or ten years ago. He hadn't shot a pig. So we uh, we had him up on this big property in the Hunter Valley. It was really mountainous and we did a bit of glassing and we spotted a, a mob of pigs. I think it was early morning, probably in summertime. We could see these guys feeding down this this big gully system and I said, righto, Wally, we're going to ride the quads down there and we'll get in front of them and we'll, we'll try and get you one. So we, um, he's because he's quite often happy to just sit back and watch us shoot. So we, we got him down there, and the other mates stayed with the bikes. We rode into about 300 metres away, and we put a bit of a call it a loose stalk in because they were just feeding towards us. And we got up behind this big tree, and they were probably about 70 metres away. And I could see him coming down the gully towards us. And I said to him, We're going to wait for them to get closer. And he's looking at me, going, Really? Like, you know, I think he was a bit. He's thinking, I can shoot these things only 70 metres away. I said, let them keep coming. I said, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder when I want you to shoot. I said, shoot the big one. I think it was a sow with about 12 suckers. Anyway, they fed close. It took, it took about 20 minutes for these things to get closer. He, by the time they got to about 25 metres, he was absolutely shaking like a leaf. And he's saying to me, tap me on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the big sow turned sideways. I said, you ready? I said, yeah. I tap him on the shoulder, and he's going, boom, he shoots a 6.5 Morza. Boom. The next thing I'm into the rest of the pigs, there's pigs running anywhere, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I've just shot the big sow running off. 
I don't know what happened there. I think we shot a couple of the smaller ones and I turned to him and he's got this huge grin on his face. He said, I got it. Did you? Yeah, and he walks up and there's here's this sucker. It's about a foot long. <laughs> I said to him, what happened, Wally? I said, I said, shoot the big one, mate. What happened? He said, well, it looked big in the scope. <laughs> I think he still had his scope on nine power. <laughs> this thing about 20 metres away. So he's uh, he just saw a tear. That was it. <laughs> he, he just he just saw a big pig in the scope and pulled the trigger. So he's um, yeah, we still give him heaps about that. His first pig was this sucker. Uh, it's always good to remember back on good stories, isn't it? You know, and yeah, remember good hunts. Even if and sometimes it's not even us hunting. Sometimes it's taking someone else hunting, or you know, just you know, taking someone else. I've you know, it's great too when you you know, I've seen a mate get you know his first deer and stuff like that, and then. You know, uh, fair enough. Some, some guys I've taken got deer before I did, you know? And yeah, I'm like, that's it. I'm, I'm looking sucks. forward to the kids. I'm looking forward to my kids growing into it. The, my little boy's obviously pretty keen, so. Yeah, um, speaking of that, your kids showing interest in that sort of thing? On, definitely. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yep, I've had them both away a couple of times. So poor old um, poor old little fellow, we took him away uh, last winter on a, on a hunt that rained the whole time. So, um. Took the quad and everything, didn't do a whole lot. And we just unpacked the car, and he's absolutely annihilated the end of his finger, slamming it in the door as he got his little chocolate milk out. So, um, no, they put a bit of a bit of a I thought we were going to have to go to the hospital, I thought he broke it. Jeez, but he, um, he, he came good, and we had a bit of a ride around, and it was about two degrees. and he didn't complain. I kept saying to him, You're right, it was raining. I think we had an umbrella riding around on the quad, it was that wet. And he, um, he just, he just had a grin and said, Yep. Yeah, I'm good, and I'd look at him, and he had blue lips, and he was quivering away. <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted to go back, so that's a um, that's a good sign. Ah, it's good getting the you know getting the kids out, and guess got to have kids so you can maybe transfer some of this hunting heritage onto the next generation. Yeah, I think I think there's a component of interest in it in all of us. It's just whether we pursue that or not. I think as 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 human beings, it's you know it's a it's something that we've always done as a species, and unfortunately, many of us move away from it at the moment. But it's um, it's pretty hard to get it out of some of us. Absolutely, mate. So if people want to find you on the the social media platforms, so I guess YouTube, you're on Instagram, Facebook. Where do they find you? Uh, what do they look for? All of all of them. Um, Edge of the Outback is my channel name, and I think I've got a Facebook page the same name, and Instagrams. Edge of the Outback, just without any spaces in it. So if you want to have a look at some of my shenanigans, get on there and check it out. There's some good stuff. There's some bad stuff, but I have a lot of fun along the way. That's the main thing. All right, guys, it's been great having Nathan on the show. So you can check him out on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Edge of the Outback. And uh, another good thing is just to let him know that you heard about him. If you don't know about him and you haven't watched the videos, uh, let him know. You heard about him from here, from AHP in the comments on his YouTube channel. That way it gives us both a bit of an idea that the, the word's getting out. Uh, not only about my show, but obviously about Nathan's too, the guest on this show. Uh, so that's great if you could do that. Let him know that you heard about him here. So, Nathan, thanks for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. I we're going to have you on again soon. Mate, really appreciated the invite, and uh, it's been good fun. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.